Now, I want us to look together at those, this, the 15 verses that we read from the book of Acts uh, just a few uh, minutes ago. It really is to, uh, divided into two, these verses. There's the, the first, the main part down to verse 9, really is, speaks about Paul, uh, Paul in, uh, uh, in Thessalonica. And then from verse 10 on, we have a different location where he moves, he moves to uh, Berea. So I want to think of the two, the two different situations and think of how, how, how the gospel was received so differently in these, uh, different, these different places. Now, the gospel had been going forth in tremendous power, as we read in the book of Acts. The apostles and the elders had gone out from Jerusalem and, and made known this, the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus. And one thing was certain, as men and women more and more came to know and to love the Lord Jesus, there were great changes. You know how Paul put it, and he said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Well, the, the new creations were, were, were everywhere. People were coming to know and to, to love uh, the Lord Jesus. But the thing was that not everybody was happy with what was happening. In fact, we read here in verse 6 of our reading, it tells us that at the end of verse 6, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. These men who have caused trouble all over the world. Or if you had the authorized version, it says these, are, these men have turned the world upside down. These men have turned the world upside down. So districts and towns were being changed by the gospel, and surely that's what we would, would long, we would long to see, the outcome whenever men and women are brought uh, to the Lord Jesus. The world, is, uh, world by itself is no time for God. People's hearts, desires need to be changed, and we must pray that the Holy Spirit would come and work in the hearts of men and women. Do you remember what happened in Nineveh whenever Jonah went preaching? And he entered into that city and he, he called on the people. That, uh, he said that, that in so many days Nineveh will be destroyed. And the people repented from the king on the throne downwards. There was a great movement, a tremendous movement of uh, 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 the work of God. And uh, Nineveh Nineveh was changed. And that happened, of course, in our own land in years gone by. If you've read anything about the 1859 revival, you can, you'll read different incidents of, of what happened. I, tell, I, I, I jotted down one or two, and it, it tells us that in October 1859, only 500 people turned up for the maize races instead of the usual 10,000. Only 500 turned up instead of the usual 10,000. In Coleraine, the quarter sessions in 1860, the, 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 where the judge sat, there was only one case to try, and that was a minor one. And what did the judge say? He said this was due to the religious movement of the previous summer. You see, people had been changed. People were changed. The gospel makes a difference. And whenever, whenever we listen to the gospel, whenever we pray that the gospel will be proclaimed, do we expect anything to happen? Do we expect people to 
really to truly come to, to know and to love Christ, to expect a change in the, our district, a, 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 true, a true revival. That's, that's really what we should, we should desire for and pray for. But in chapter 17, Paul uh, comes to Thessalonica, first of all, this city, and here he do, does the work that he's been called to do. So let's think about, about what he does. It's, it's different in Thessalonica from Berea, but we look in Berea in a moment or two. First of all, the nature of the gospel preached. How did Paul go about his work? What did he, what did he say? What did he say? Well, it tells us, first of all, in verse 2, it tells us he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. Now, he had gone into, he had gone into a Jewish synagogue, it tells us, and for, for, for three Sabbath days, he reasoned with the people. He, reasoned, he said, look, this is what happened. This is what it says in the Old Testament. It tells you in the book of Isaiah that he'd been led like a lamb to the slaughter. Well, do you know who that was? That was Jesus. And so he reasoned with them. He, he taught them. He, he instructed them. He instructed them that they had to, they had to, so that they could understand what had happened. You know, we've got to reason sometimes, don't we? Isaiah said, come now and let us reason together, or make an adjustment, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Come and reason. Understand what God has said in his words. We must know the scriptures. I hope no one would just simply shrug their shoulders and say, look, look, I can't be bothered with all that. I hope no one will be like that. You'll meet people like that. People who maybe not put you off with a bad answer, but they'll just say, oh, that's nice for you, and on you go. That's the type of answer you, you, at times you'd get. But, you know, we've got to understand. Sometimes people, I'm sure they say it about my teaching and preaching, they say, you're far too complicated or something like that. But the thing is, we, we've, got to, we've got to put our minds to things. We, we're, we're, we're not just here to be, feel good. We're, we're here to, to reason and to think out the, the great truths of the Scriptures. We have to wrestle with God's Word. You know, it's surely a sign of this age that, that many don't want to spend any time uh, to understand God's Word. And yet Paul says, look, study. Study to show yourself a good workman, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study to show yourself a good workman, rightly dividing the word of truth. And this, this is what should be desired in all our hearts. Paul reasoned with the people. Are we willing to reason? Do we like do we desire to come to, to the Bible study to learn more? I hope that it, that is the case. I hope that is the case, that we might understand more of God's Word and then be able to, to talk more fluently to others. 
But I want you to notice the content of Paul's teaching in verse 3. It says, explaining and proving that Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ. Proclaiming to you is the Christ. This Jesus. It was all about Jesus. Oh, that's just something that we always need to keep before us. The message has to be always about Jesus. If we can go through a sermon and not be focused upon Jesus or not linked into what the Lord Jesus has done, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. There's no point in using the Scriptures just as a book to amuse us. The Scriptures are about a person, about Jesus. And that's what Paul was seeking to do here. The coming of the Lord Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection, explaining and, and proving what had happened. When you think of the passages from the Old Testament he would have referred to, just think of one or two of them tonight. In Psalm 2, it tells us there, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Reference to the Incarnation. Psalm 16, Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither, neither will thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. Resurrection. Isaiah 53, He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Numbered with the transgressors, He bore the sin of many. The Word of God always pointing to Jesus from the beginning to the end, from Genesis right through, always pointing to Jesus. And that's what we must always seek to do, to understand ourselves and, and to be able to speak to others about that. You can almost picture Paul surrounded with his hearers as he, as he patiently pointed them to Jesus, to Jesus. Always to Jesus, who was promised in the Scriptures. I'm sure many of those people who knew the Scriptures, and because they were, he was teaching in the synagogue, they would have known them, and they would have known those references, and Paul would have been able to say, but you know, you know what Isaiah said. You know what the psalmist said. You know what was said to Abraham, that in him all the nations of the earth would be blessed. You know these things. Well, I'm telling you, this is the one who came is the one who was promised. And his name is, is Jesus. That's the content of his preaching, of his teaching. But notice also verse 4. Paul was addressing the minds and the understanding of, the, 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 uh, 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 of his congregation. It says, Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks, and not a few prominent women. He was speaking not just to their hearts, he was speaking to their minds. The gospel isn't something that you receive, in, in a sense, in a vacuum. It, it's something that comes to your understanding, and you realize, you realize the, the greatness and the wonder of what God has done. The, the God of glory has sent His Son. And He was speaking to their, to their understanding, to, to their minds. 
Not that there are emotions now. We, we all have emotions. But that wasn't, Paul's, that wasn't Paul's way. Some, of course, were persuaded, we're told here, but not, not, not a, a big lot weren't. But people must understand the truth. They must understand it and believe it. Believe in their hearts this great gospel that is set out for us here. Believe he is the only Savior. Believe that he is able to save all who come unto him. You know, whenever sometimes you're speaking to people, you, you know that there's a sort of a blankness sometimes comes over people's minds. And they say, he doesn't understand what I'm talking about. And it's not maybe that it's very complicated, but just it doesn't come home. Can't understand. Think of God sending, thinking of his son dying, becoming a true man. To be able to understand and believe, believe. Some people can get very emotional whenever they, they hear this, and, and we have to be careful about that because I have known people that get emotional and make a decision, and, and then sadly after the emotion fades, there's nothing left. We need to understand what we believe. We need to understand. And God's people must pray that the Holy Spirit will open the hearts and minds of those who are, who are, are not saved so that they will, understand with their, they will understand with their understanding and believe on the Lord Jesus for salvation. Oh, it's so important, that. So important. Teach me thy way, O Lord. Teach me thy way. Teach, help me to walk aright. Teach me thy way. The nature of the gospel preached. Notice again, he said, the Jews were persuaded, persuaded, or some of the Jews were persuaded, and a large a number of prominent women. But then I want you to notice, too, the changes, the changes that the gospel, the changes that the gospel makes. Whenever someone comes to Christ, do you, do you not expect a change? Well, there ought to be a change. Whenever someone comes to Christ, there's, a, there's that, the Holy Spirit comes, and we come to Christ, and we are born again. And if you're born again, then, then you're, making, you're made, making a new start. There are always changes, you see, whenever the gospel is preached. Later on, Paul wrote his first letter to the Thessalonians. He said, the gospel, he said, not only came not only with words, but also with power, with the Holy Ghost and deep conviction. It was no dead letter, you see, that Paul preached, but the gospel went forth with power, and there were changes. Some believed, yes. Others were filled with anger and hatred. A great number, a great number among them, a number of prominent women. God was speaking through his servants, but many refused to hear. Oh, that's still the same today, isn't it? Many refused to hear. Many turn their back and say, not for me. They turn their back upon Jesus. But you notice what happened then. And this is something that I think increasingly can happen. Those who did not believe gathered other people around them, and they began to cause a, a, a really a riot, 
or riot. That's what's, if you look on in verse 5, it says that the, uh, some bad characters from the marketplace formed a mob and started a riot in the city. Now, this, this is something I think increasingly we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to face. They charged them with turning the world upside down. What an accusation. The gospel, of course, you see, had such an effect on those who had heard that they were changed completely. That's, that was so wonderful. The change was so great that, they, that, to, that to outsiders it seemed as if the world, the world was changed. The world was upside down. There were new creations. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought, we sing, since Jesus came into my heart. Now, now, there are two ways, to under, two ways to understand this. Let's just think about uh, two ways very quickly. They're turning the world upside down. That's, I'm quoting the authorized version again. But you see what was happening that through the gospel, the exact opposite was taking place. They were turning the world the right way up. They were turning the world the right way up. The sad thing is that so many people today have become so used to the world and, and all its evil, all its violence and trouble in every hand. This is how, this is how the world is. So sometimes, you know, you, like the queen, you nearly expect marriages to fall apart. You nearly sometimes expect some of your children to get caught up in drugs. You nearly expect some of them maybe to become alcoholics. That's the way it is now, isn't it? That's the way it is. More and more, that's the way it is. End up in prison. They're stealing and violence. Do you, you notice the number of murders there are in our own province? Like there's, it goes on. But then... You know, one this week and another next week. You forget about the one the week before. It's one after another. Why do they do it? Why do men leave their wives? Why do wives leave their husbands? Why do children rebel against the, uh, against the, uh, the, 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 their, their parents? Why? Because they want their own way, you see, and they don't want to go God's way. That's why. They don't want to go God's way. They want, I want my way. And you see, that's a picture of the world upside down. That's a picture of the world upside down. The world was not meant to be like that. You were not meant to steal from your neighbor. You weren't meant to leave your husband and go to somebody else. You weren't meant to do all these things. The true, a true work of God in a district, these things would not be taking place. And whenever there was true revivals, they didn't take place. They didn't take place. And you see, whenever men and women come to Christ and there's life abundantly in Him, then the world has turned the right way up. That's what's so wonderful. The world has turned the right way up. There's really a revolution, isn't there? 
and the world needs Christ. Oh, let's be convinced about that, every believer. The world needs Christ. If your neighbors have not the Savior, they need Christ. No one else can meet the deepest need of his heart, of, your, of, of their heart. I remember reading one time about a, a, a man said his wife had become a Christian and he said his wife was not the same woman that he'd married. Of course, she wasn't the same woman because she was a new creation. But the marriage stayed, as long as he, the marriage stayed together. But, but she was different. She was different. And so many could come and tell how God in his mercy saved them from the misery of sin and, and changed them, changed them. Oh, it's dreadful, isn't it, the things. I always remember this old, this old lady on the Shankill Road, and she used to, she told me, I don't think I ever met her husband because he was never there whenever, he, but he was always in the pub. But whenever she was bringing up her children, he would come home on a Friday night after getting paid. But of course, he went to the pub for a good while Friday night before he got paid, after he got paid. And he come in practically full drunk, and he just lay down on the floor, and she said, oh, it would have broken your heart, she said. I used to go through his pockets to see if I could get any money to feed the children. Now, that's... That's what the devil does. That's what sin does. We should never make fun of it. That's what the devil does. She was looking. She was looking for what was left to feed the children for a week. I wish the world upside down, but you see... The disciples not only are accused of turning the world upside down, they're charged also with starting unrest and fermenting political unrest. You notice, notice verse 7, we go on quickly, it says, it says, they are all defying Caesar's decree, saying there's another king, one called Jesus. Now, that's something that, 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 that the world will, will so easily do and, and say that, we have, that uh, Christians are... Are, are, are not being good citizens. We are. We are to be good citizens. But the Lord Jesus didn't come to form a political party. He came to save his people from their sin. And knowing the Lord Jesus should guide us even in politics. Whenever it comes around to an election, we should think carefully about who we vote for. Because he is our Lord, and he's Lord of every part of our lives. He is king over all. That's why our forefathers in Scotland used to say, there are two kings in Scotland. There's a king who rules in London, but there's also the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and the king who rules in London must bow before the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Disciples here weren't trying to start a revolution. They were simply wanting that men and women would come to know Christ and that the kingdom of God would be extended. The kingdom of God would be extended. But then let's just very quickly 
mention the difference then uh, in the last few verses, uh, verses 10 to 15. Paul had to go. They were going to, they were going to do him harm. And he had, to, he, had to, he had to get away in the middle of the night. And he came, to, he came 60 miles to another town called Berea. And I want you to notice the difference. This is what's so wonderful. He, went to, he goes to the synagogue, and what does he find? He finds in Berea, he finds people who are different from the people in Thessalonica. Because here there are people who really want to know God's Word and are prepared to be guided by it. Notice it tells you in verse 11, it tells us they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures. Examined the Scriptures. They wanted to hear God's Word. What a delight, what a delight for, for Paul. What a delight for any preacher to see, to see men and women coming and, and wanting to hear about the things of God. That's, that really is what brings delight to the, someone called into the work of the ministry. In the past, in past seasons and times of a revival, we read how people were so hungry for God's Word. You know, during the Cambus Lang revival, Cambus Lang is, is, a, is a, a district outside Glasgow, in 1742, George Whitfield went there, and, uh, but other ministers were there. And they were told that, that worship began at 8.30 in the morning. And it didn't stop for 12 hours. There were people coming all the time and different ministers taking over. And people were hungry for the Word of God. What a joy to see men and women desiring desiring the Word of God. The people in Berea were like that. Are we? Are we? Is it a joy to hear God's Word? Or can somebody say, oh, well, you know, I, 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 it's all right, I'll go sometimes, but I'll miss now and again. Oh, I hope not. I hope not. Who can tell the pleasure? Who recount the treasure by thy word imparted to the simple-hearted? But not only were they, were they eager to hear, they also searched the Scriptures to see if these things were true. What could be more important than that? The Holy Spirit causes men to turn to the Scriptures. And these people in Berea we're going to be obedient to God's Word. If men do not speak in accordance with this Word, it is because there is no light in them, Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 8. And the Bereans, you see, would prove all things. They would search the Scriptures because the Scriptures testified of Christ. Are we like the Thessalonians or the Bereans? The Thessalonians or the Thessalonians, they, they caused a riot. Now, some believed. But the Bereans, they loved the Word of God. They searched the Word of God. They wanted to know about Jesus. Do we truly desire to hear 
to hear the gospel? Do we truly love to hear this message and not only hear it, but be obedient, obedient to you? But I wonder, is there anybody here tonight? And we could apply that verse, that, that phrase that they used, that they said that they've come here, they've turned the world upside down. I wonder, have you been turned the right way up by Jesus? Is there somebody here and still you haven't been turned the right way up because you're still in your sin and you still do not know Christ? And it's only whenever you come to know Christ that you'll be turned the right way up and you'll begin to walk that walk that leads to glory. Would that be the case tonight? The world around us is upside down. Are you the right way up? Are you Christ? So the nature of the gospel preached is all about Jesus. The changes the gospel brings, oh, it turns people the right way up. And the gospel preached must be tested by God's word. May that, may that be our desire week after week, that we will test what's being preached with the Word of God and grow to love and to follow Jesus more and more. Let us unite in prayer. Lord, we do thank you for your Word. We thank you for those who taught us in years gone by. We pray we might be like the people in Berea, that we would always search the Scriptures. We would always want to know more of, of your Word. Oh, bless us, Lord. Bless everyone gathered here this evening, from the youngest upwards. May the young people early in life come to love this, this book and love the stories in this book, and not only love the book, but come to love the Savior and to follow him. Oh, bless us, Lord. Be with us as we, as we soon will depart and do, go to our different homes and go with us in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.